and welcome to Cats Out of the Bag. I'm Kat Hennessy, and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. Hello, queens, and welcome back to another week of Cats Out of the Motherfucking Bag. Oh, that was very high pitched. Sorry for your little ears. Um, but I have a very, very, very exciting guest with me today. She is one of my best, best friends. She is a fucking icon. And if you don't already know her, you've been living under a rock, but it is the most fabulous Alicia Aitken Radburn. Welcome. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear the intro live. What a I've blessing a to my ears. Say that to me. They're like, wow, do you record this every time? I'm like, yeah. Got to fucking re-record my welcome each week. I love it because it gives it a little special touch. Yeah, fucking elf it does. <laughs> oh, my God. So funny. So, Alicia, for my guests that don't know you, yes. um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a big question. It's a very existential question, Kat. Who am I? Um you and I met on, I think, like, probably your audience. Like, if the thing that people will probably be interested in is the fact that we met on The Bachelor on our on our Honey Badger. Yeah. Our, <laughs> what a missed opportunity that was. <laughs> um, so, we met on it. The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. And then I went on and, oh, and then we did Bachelor in Paradise together. Um, bumpy ride for us both. Mm. You were crying in a toilet. Yep. I was being rejected on national TV. on energy for me. <laughs> me too. Just a couple of weeks later. Yeah, <laughs> and then I went and did a last season of Bachelor in Paradise, uh, which almost didn't happen because I was really – hanging on by a thread but I, I went back told for one you not more. to do it yes we had this full didn't fucking go yes we fully just before I reckon it was like a month or two months before Bachelor in Paradise I came to visit Kat in Burley and we were also with um Romy and Ray our little collection of besties from our original season of The Bachelor. And we were staying at Kat's, we were staying at your parents' place. We had the best weekend. And I remember I rolled in and I rolled in pretty late. I'd just gotten off the plane and we all poured a glass of wine and I like presented it to you guys as news. I was like, oh, you'll never guess who, who's wrong. And it was Warner Brothers. And I was like telling you about, you know, <laughs> the ins and outs of like negotiating with them and like thinking whether I should go back or not. And yeah, you guys were not supporting. No, we were more like you pick a fee, you pick your fucking yes. amount of how much coin you want for this yes. and if they're going to yeah. pay you what you're worth and what it's worth for you to quit your job again, put your life on yes. hold for another year. Like I think the thing is that what people forget is it's not just like you don't just go on this show and film it and it's all fun. It's like you literally pause your fucking life like majority of the girls on our seasons quit their job just with just yes. literally fucking quit their job so they're like still paying rent have no job go on this fucking reality show that some of them were on the bachelor for less than a week like two, 
Exactly. And it's so funny, Kat, because so I'm working on this special project, which will be announced in due course that you already know about. Um, And I've been doing a lot of research for it, uh, which has involved me going back. There's there's this, this is a whole thing to explain in and of itself, but there's basically um, bachelor forums for very, very dedicated fans. And I fully understand the concept because I'm a very, very dedicated fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) So like I'm in all of the Drag Race equivalent forums where they like talk about spoilers and they're incredible and they just dig out all of this detail. And I went back to this forum because I remembered that, you know, when we first got out of the Bachelor Mansion, we like Googled ourselves and there was just this plethora of information. Like people already knew that we were going on the show. They had pictures. They were already commenting in these forums. And I went back onto this forum to just like have a squiz and this woman, I imagine, that's probably bad of me to guess their gender, but (laughs) this person, this person had um, basically said like they, they were sort of getting photos from all of the group dates as they went along and they would have this commentary like, I don't think that this chick Alicia is there anymore. And someone commented being like, this is like such a bad decision for her to resign from her job just to be on The Bachelor for like two weeks. I mean, I was there for a little bit longer than two weeks, but you know, it's a big deal. And I think that people forget Mm -hmm. that, that like not everyone's going to have to resign from their role, but I did for my first season. Mm -hmm. I got to do the the second two seasons without leaving my job, which was good. I just got like a leave without pay for a month which reflecting on it is pretty radical Fucking oath. um but yeah people make big big sacrifices and to go on absolutely. these shows and it's not just like the quitting your job when if you're only in there for a week but it's also like you film and then there's this weird waiting period so like I remember for you even, like for the last season of Batch that Alicia went on, they kept pushing out when they were going to release the season. So it was like meant to be coming on screens in February and then they're like, sorry, we're pushing it out to April or pushing it out to May. And it's like this whole time Alicia's in a relationship with Glenn and she's having to keep this a full-on fucking secret. So it's like, you know, it's just – and also like you're waiting – you're also waiting for it to air. So it's like you're sitting there being like, when's it? Because you're like, this is going to impact my life quite a bit. Fucking oath. And I was, I'd moved to, like in the case of the last season of Bachelor in Paradise, I'd moved to to Perth to be with Glenn. And we're sort of like, you know, there's what you mentioned, Kat, of like having having to be slightly careful about, being seen, you know, according to production, we're not meant to be seen in public together. That didn't quite happen. We like traveled just before COVID hit. We like traveled to Bali together and we're like sitting at Finn's Beach Club. And it was like so funny because, um, you know, we're having a few drinks all day. We were there all day and there was a group of sort of, so I can tell now, like I'll look at someone, I'm like, they, they're a bachelor viewer. They're like in the demographic. Yeah. So I saw the, these like group of, they would have been like 19 year old girls and I could see them like glancing at me and I got a bit paranoid and I was like, oh fuck, they're going to like put two and two together and they're going to be like, that's 
I mean, no one really knew Glenn. He was on TV for like two seconds. So that was very helpful. But they fully, they came over and took pictures with me, said hello, like, oh, so sorry about Jules. Didn't even look at Glenn. Literally. Because he was a bit of a nothing on his season. Yeah. I mean. No no airtime on his. I mean, he knows it. Fully overlooked. Fully overlooked. So I don't know how I'm – I imagine that Angie ruse the day that she <laughs> sent Glenn Smith home. Fucking knows. Well, because he's a cat. <laughs> Absolutely. He's is, isn't he? I like this is the thing that I keep. I see that TikTok. There's this TikTok that always comes up on my For You page that's like, um, I don't want to work out. And then remembering I have a hot boyfriend yeah. and she's like, oh, <laughs> that's me. I've seen that <laughs> shit. I've seen that shit. <laughs> Yeah, so it's wild and we had to be secret for nine months and I was unemployed over here. So, like, the the fact that you have to wait so long for it to air also impacts every other aspect of your life. Like, I was actively looking for work, but, like, when I did actually get a job, I was – I I literally started in this role, the, the, like, while – Bachelor in Paradise was airing mm-hmm. in August and I had to like coordinate with my boss saying, you know, like I think that I, I think it's all cool. I think I, I'm not going to like nothing's going to be I'm not going to get a bad in it, basically. That's what I was saying to my boss. I was like, I think I'll be fine. And she was like, is there anything that I should know about? And I was like, oh, look, I think that this this Sunday there's a bit of a blow up with this woman called Kira. <laughs> and that's like the one thing that I had to mention. <laughs> and like, you know, my boss is in politics. So she's like, I don't care about this woman called Kira. I don't care about this blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something so strange. <laughs> stupid about like her being me yeah. on Instagram or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it impacts everything. Fucking oath. Um, yeah. Wow. Fuck, that's funny. Yeah. So I think yeah. like, yeah, it, I think people have like, yeah, got to remember all that too, like how much you put your life on hold. And I, and I, I remember like when you were over in Perth and you were waiting for it to air, like you had some hard times because you're sitting there and you, you've, you oh. know, you, you were like, what am I doing? <laughs> Yes, what am I doing? And like, oh, this is this is another practical issue about, you know, the period between filming and airing. Uh, the other thing to mention is that like obviously when you're filming and when it's airing, these are really like emotionally elevated times, um, both positive and negative, but mostly like, I mean, I loved filming the shows. I thought it was such a fun experience. So same. you're sort of on this like we have the same thing in politics. You do a campaign and you like because you're in this team environment where everyone's like working towards the same goal um, and you're like in this bubble, you get this like campaign high and I think you get a similar like filming a TV show high. You know, when when else in life do you have people like coming and checking if you need food or like coming and like putting some makeup on you? You're the centre of attention and everyone likes that a little bit in their oh, life. No. Um, yeah. You said you and- didn't. And so you've like come off filming and you've got this like filming come down. And then also the way that Warner Brothers did it for my last season of Bachelor in Paradise was, you know, you've you've earned a particular amount of money, a bundle of money, and they paid you like X amount when you first came off the show. And then 
you were meant to get the second half once the filming had ended. And I guess it's like, it's a sort of like, hey, don't like bring production into disrepute and we'll give you your money. Totally. And I know that that's, that's, that on that's, ours, that's though, remember? Yeah, I know. It, it I know. In because um, on our season of Bachelor, um, Bill Goldsmith, lol, um, he, him, <gasps> that's why I got brought in. So pretty much Bill Goldsmith and Alex Nation were in the finale as a yes. couple. And they went and met up with paparazzis and got paid like 10 or 20 grand to yeah, release. Yeah, I remember, this. remember this. And they released like yeah. couple shots at a <gasps> dog park. Yes, and it was like just before it was like before like, the show even started or before the finale. Yeah. So it like I think it was just I actually think it was just a couple of weeks after we had filmed. Yeah, it was it was pretty soon after and it was just a huge spoiler. So yeah. because they went and people were starting to like ruin things. It's even like what happened recently on Brooke season when Abby Chatfield and Conrad were seen hooking up in Byron Bay and he was still in the season and he was a front runner. So it's yes. like then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, well, him and Brooke obviously aren't together. So it, it, it does spoil a lot of the storyline. So now because of that, they've brought in this thing where you get an X amount of money if you keep a secret and you get paid that X amount of money at the end if you haven't spoiled it kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, totally. And I think that like two things to mention there, I think that sometimes people, because there are reality TV formats, like I'd say maths is one of these where like um, people almost, the, the, the way that they do their publicity is almost through spoilers. Like they'll give the public, they do a lot more active media and things sort of play out more, you know, through podcasts and stuff like that. Um, but but like The Bachelor has never operated like that. And I think the thing with like the one, like on the one hand, you've got spoilers do sort of, it, it ruins the narrative the, of the show. I think the thing that people forget is that so many people are involved in this show's production. So you've got like 300 plus people who have been involved in producing this really tight narrative that they want to show to Australia and it is really disappointing when spoilers are put out there and then from a practical perspective to round this off um going back to the like getting half of your money when you come off the show and half of the money once it airs um because our show was pushed out so far I was like fully fully relying <laughs> on that money to like live like, <laughs> and I had to message Warner Brothers I was like I'm really like I'm on Centrelink I can't like I've spent all my savings guys I'm fucking poor give me my fucking yeah, payout please oh my god please. yeah true you don't yeah. think about that either hey yeah that's so, so funny fun logistics Literally. but we're past it now we've got I've got a full-time job she's thriving great the most beautiful fiance in the she's world engaged <laughs> from the bachelor she's like who would have who would have thought? thought? Like, literally, take us back to our when we first got kicked off our season of The Bachelor. Cat, Romy, and I all got kicked off on the same night. It was so beautiful. Cat went. Cat got. Um, you got like a. You got eliminated within the cocktail party, which is a very special category. Leave for being mean. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So honestly, Kat was off. at the they take you to a hotel room afterwards. And I swear to God, it would have been like 3 a.m. And so Kat leaves during the cocktail party and then Romy and I both can we, have can to we go through the road. Can we mention the fact that I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone? So, oh my God, I know. So they pulled me out. I hadn't even packed my fucking bag. Like, hadn't even, like, like I, I left so much shit in the house because I <laughs> normally you'd like zip up your suitcase um, after you come mm. in from the cocktail party, like in the break before the rose ceremony, and you'd zip up your bag just in case you get eliminated that it's like ready to go. Do you, I remember there was like yeah. all this like drama because like every week, Brooke would never zip up her suitcase and that's we'd so all be funny. like we'd all be like I mean obviously she was the favorite who does she think she yeah, is we were like, Brooke's not even doing up her suitcase like does she think she's that safe but like obviously she was but like so funny I was so I was so because you have to do the same thing in Bachelor in Paradise and I was so like um what's it called god I've got a mind blank what's it called when you like see a black cat and you think that's spooky or you walk under a ladder I'm superstitious Um, superstitious I'm so superstitious that when it was like my third season and it was my last season of Bachelor in Paradise and I'm like clearly me and Glenn are like in love I would still pack up my suitcase I think it took me like I still packed it up for the first couple of weeks fully zipped and locked Did you? and yeah because I was just nervous and I didn't want to like seem too cocky yeah. and then I think like Glenn must have said something and was like you don't have to f- pack up your suitcase it's fine you're fine you're getting my fucking rose yeah, I'm yeah. probably gonna put a ring on it one day Aww. dude and then do you remember so like cute. okay so I remember when Elite I feel like we're like jumping so much into so much yeah, yeah, yeah. Elite and I haven't like we I mean we've probably spoke we speak on the phone and we text quite a bit but we haven't had like a proper phone catch up in like a few weeks so I feel like this is yeah. like an exciting like we get to catch up with each other so we're probably gonna ramble a little bit um Absolutely. I remember so like when Alicia and I were on Bachelor in Paradise together, you you have like a roommate and you stay in like these little huts. Um and oh my before God. the rose ceremony, the like head executive producer and one of the like s- people that like look after you came into our hut and were like, Kat, have you, you know, thought through what your game plan is for the cocktail oh, party yeah. tonight? Like, you know you've only got your eye on Richie and Connor. Like, you know, what if you don't get their rose? I was like, I'm fine. Like Richie's going to give it to me. And then he gave it to Cass and I was like. (laughs) You were very confident. Um, But like, and to be honest, like, and and the hard thing about Bachelor in Paradise as well is because like I wasn't privy to your conversations. Like you would go off with Richie or you'd go off with Connor and you'd, you'd like be establishing, you know, the first steps of a relationship and you're sort of like flirting with guys. And so when you came back to me and you're like, you were feeling like relatively confident and they, there was something happening in those conversations that was giving you confidence. Like you're not, you're not that delusional of a person (laughs) that you're like, you're like having conversations with people and you're, you're being like, like you, you are the sort of person that can pick up on vibes um, and so it was really, really just so crazy. Yeah. I, I think I, when, if I was back yeah. there again and I could do my time again, I would have played it differently. So, like, I got along really well with Jimmy, like, like probably more as mates, but I kind of set up him and Alex. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah. I was like, who's Jimmy? I was thinking about the pilot. No, no. 
<laughs> lol. And I set him and Alex Nation up and stupidly, you should never be setting up other couples really. You should be playing your own yes. game. And him and I got along really well. So I reckon we could have easily like set up a little friend rose situation. And then the next, and then, yeah. yeah, so that didn't happen. And then I probably could have put in a bit more energy with Nathan. I actually saw Nathan the other week. <laughs> probably shouldn't be saying this, but oh, we, no, we had got on the piss together and like had a really funny night. Nathan Byron Byron Bay's Nathan, yeah. Byron Bay's fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nathan Favreau, who was on our season of Paradise as well. And we got in the piss together and he was like, you know what? Like he fully like apologized to me for not giving me a rose in paradise and giving it to Brittany. He was like, yeah, you know, like I, you know, if if I knew you how I know you now, like I definitely would have given you the rose. I I never saw Brittany again after the show, even though Brittany was a fucking hoot and is a legend and all that jazz. Yeah, she is. I I need to come to Belly so we can go out with. Litany. Yeah, litany. But like, yeah. So the thing is, is I guess like going into that experience for Alicia and I was very hard. The first paradise because our show had just been fi- um our show had just launched. We got pretty bad fucking edits. The nation hated us. Mm. None of these dudes mm. wanted to be aligned with the villain. Yeah, that was that was an element that I didn't quite understand going into it. That well, like they wanted the Shannon I, and I the Brooks. Think- I yeah, don't want of the course. They wanted Cat Hennessy liability. Liability. Who's going to potentially yeah. damage or tarnish their profile? Their brand. Yeah. Yes. And I get it. I get it since because it can be really difficult. Like, <laughs> this is a really awful thing to say, but it can be kind of difficult when you have a personal relationship with somebody and you know them one on one and they have fallen victim to an edit. Totally. And And then you're sort of like, then people associate you with that person and drag your brand down. It's hard to navigate. So hard. So So I guess I have like a little bit more empathy for it now. But but at the time and, you know, reflecting on it, it you just hope that people like I, I, this happens to me in real life as well. Not so much anymore that I'm an adult because I'm not so much in these like, I'm thinking about high school specifically. I went through this period in high school where, um, you know, everyone talks about everyone in high school. And I remember like, uh, I went to a school where it was a girl's school and we had a, like our brother school was just across, like they were connected. So we had classes separately, but we had lunch together. So there was a lot of like mingling between the girls and the guys. And I remember sometimes like basically people would talk about me and who I was as a person. And then I would talk to someone one-on-one at a party or in a different social situation. And in that conversation, they'd be like, oh, you're a really nice person. I did not have this perception of you at all. And I think it just goes to show that like people really need to. One thing I try and do in life is wait for those moments where I'm actually meeting someone one-on-one to sort of appraise their personality and who they are as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We did have a bit of a rough time, didn't we? We did, but, you know, I feel like we were – we had a rough time, but we also had each other and I feel like that's why, you know, we're so close now to this – still to this day is because – 
we went through something together and I, I spoke about it on last week's episode with Sarah from Byron Bay is like you build a connection and a bond with someone when you're filming that is you cannot explain it. You cannot even like, it just doesn't make sense to anyone else, but it is like something you it, like, it, it's like a sisterly bond. Like it's so weird. If I didn't speak to Alicia in five months and I called her tomorrow, I know that it would be exactly the same with us. Like we just have a really yeah. strong relationship with each other. So, And I, th- I think that something that the bachelor gave me as well sort of moving into, you know, closer to my 30s and really trying to around the time of my The Bachelor. And I know that this is the same as you and Bachelor in Paradise and post that first season of Bachelor in Paradise. I was really in a space in my life where I was really looking for my partner in life. Like I genuinely really, I really wanted to find that person. And I think that sometimes with, with so much content and media that sort of I felt like I was consuming all of this stuff that was like um you can be like you don't need a man you can be strong on your own you should be happy on your own and I just I wasn't Mm. like I'm a person Mm. that really really loves companionship yeah and that's and I just wasn't happy and then the one thing that I'd say, like The Bachelor gave me in meeting you and Romy was it sort of reminded me that li- literally when I met Kat and Romy, there w- it was like it was magnetic in the same way as when you meet a guy that you really click with, there's this magnetism and energy that you can just feel. You've a crush on and me. I felt that with both of you guys as well. Do you <laughs> like horny for you? No, totally. <laughs> and and yeah, and I think like yeah, that's why that's why we're still so close to this day because we fucking went through so much and all that jazz. So yeah, it's it's really it's really nice and I'm very grateful for our friendship. So, you know, even oh, though too. a lot of the experience for me was quite negative and it didn't really ever turn into a positive for me, um, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, the best That's- thing that came out of it is the friendships. Um, and I guess you got the best of both worlds. You ended up getting a great edit in the end. You made some great friends and you fucking found your hubby. So, I mean, hats off to Alicia. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. And I think that, like, the hard thing is – and then the frustrating thing is, is there was nothing really, like there's nothing different between each of us. Like there's nothing different between our stories except for the fact that I think I was afforded a little bit more time for Australia and my peers like in the Bachelor bubble um, participants to see more of my personality. Absolutely. Um, I think you know, like The Bachelor particularly, and I think this probably goes for maths, like shows where there's not very much time to show a well-rounded, like uh, people are complex. I and I, I just, it's always, this, this is getting fully randomly, but it's always, I feel like as reality TV viewers, sometimes we take up this spot that's like we put ourselves on this moral pedestal like we've never done anything wrong in our lives Holy, and we're watching like, people and like they're, yeah they're such an evil bad person and you know there are there are there are proper times through reality tv and like a reality tv viewer myself there are times that I watch reality tv and I'm like oh yeah no that person has 
is doing something objectively wrong and then that's compounded when sometimes you hear someone in the media and they'll be asked about the things that they do they've done wrong and then instead of taking accountability like we did after the bachelor like we're like tails between our legs and we're like yes we understand we were not <laughs> the best of people <laughs> um but some people come de- come out and they double down yeah. and they're like or, or like just take no accountability for like you know them as a viewer now like you can see what you've done on screen or how it's being perceived mm. and i i find that crazy i think the thing is is like i um i i'm I take the piss tw- most of the time. Like I'm always fucking kidding. And like I'd say so- like a sassy comment or like something that might be a little bit bitchy, but like then I'd laugh and then I'd be like, nah, just kidding or something like that. But they'd cuddle that yeah. out. So it'd be like, I, f- I hated her dress. Or like, you know, it was just anyway, irrelevant, but. No, no. One more thing on that is that like you're so right. And like, I think we should just touch on the producer contested relationship in that, um, particularly for people who are probably like fly a little bit closer to the sun and, you know, are a bit cheeky, let's say, that is not, that is your perfect target as a producer to turn into your villain because basically you can get them in your interview booth and you can just egg them on. You mm-hmm. create a friendship relationship with this person. And in the same way as like, I am sure that some cats out of the bag listeners have been in this situation where you're like with your girlfriends and someone like says a really naughty, like, on the nose comment and it like opens the door it's like oh we're 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 being we're being evil right now like this is a toxic space and then everyone all of a sudden is like being really bitchy and you know not to each other about other people and so you're in this booth with someone and they're like laughing at all your off-color comments and you're like oh I am like uh, they're loving me. Australia's going to find this hilarious. Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> I actually had one of the producers reach out to me recently and apologize to me. So they were like, you know, you were the first p- person I've really ever produced in a show. Like I've been in many, many shows that I really felt like got the wrong edit and they were like, you really got produced in a in a different way to how you were in those interviews and stuff, and it almost made me like completely rethink my career, um, knowing what how how it had affected you and stuff. And I mean, that person definitely shouldn't have done that, but um, like they definitely shouldn't have come out to me and even apologized and admitted yeah, fault. Yeah. But like that's literally what fucking happened, and it was really really nice to hear that. Like it really meant a lot to me. So anyway, let's let's ask some some questions. Oh, okay. So Yes, okay. Did you get many? Did you get a yeah, couple? Yeah, I got some questions for sure. Oh, okay. Um, cool. So what do you reckon made you want to go on reality TV in the first place? Um 
I think that for me personally, it was like to be completely honest in almost like an embarrassingly honest way. I think as I was growing up, like going through my teens and early 20s, I always felt like I had a pretty good personality. Like I thought I was, I thought I was funny, but I, I knew I wasn't a comedian, but I, I knew I, I knew I could entertain my friends. And, and I think I was, you know, a good, a fun person to hang out with. Um, I think I had like, this is sounding like I've got massive tickets on myself, but I think I have like interesting depth to my personality. 100%. I can like, I, I have like lighter moments and I You're can like joke around. You're extremely intelligent. Oh, thank you. And so I thought like, and and I, I eventually got this, so I think I went on the show initially for sort of affirmation that I had a good personality. Um, and it's so funny because I remember the first season of The Bachelor. Um, this is a this is a piece of tea and a tidbit. Um, I actually so we went through the whole six weeks. We got eliminated, and then the the producers realized they didn't have enough footage and commentary from the first episode. So they actually I lived in Sydney, and they brought me back. And I did another like four hours of interviews, um, which is very like, I'm sure it is, I'm sure it happens, but in my experience, it's pretty uncommon. And so what it meant was because they brought me back to basically commentate the first episode and put together the pieces of their narrative. Um, can we also talk about the fact that I was that got- like really heavily featured? Yeah. And can we talk about the fact that you had to get back in your same <laughs> outfit again? for the interview no it wasn't the same dress it wasn't wasn't the same dress so if you go to the first season of if you go to the first episode of our season of the bachelor you'll notice that in some of the cutaways so like my actual dress that I'm wearing on the night was this navy dress cute loved it say yes to the dress um but when I went back I went into wardrobe and they knew that I was coming they knew that I was doing this commentary on the first episode and so the idea was that they were meant to you know, contact that designer again and get that dress sent. And they couldn't manage it. Like, I think it was too short of a period of time for them to turn it around. And and so I went into wardrobe and <laughs> the stylist was like, held up a piece of navy fabric. Stop. It was like, because it was a navy strapless dress and she just like pegged a piece of navy fabric. So if you go back to episode one of our season, I think it's season six, you'll see that in my IVs, I'm not actually wearing a dress. I'm wearing, like you can tell. The IVs are those little like <laughs> candle room one-on-one interviews. Yes, yes. No, sorry. no, no. Yeah. Like, they're not going to know what that yeah, means. Yeah, so... So I came back and I did all that commentary. So I was really heavily featured in the first episode. And I remember like, because everyone's trying to like, you know, everyone's trying to figure out who these new women are on this season, you know, on Twitter and the BuzzFeeds and all of the commentary. commentary. Um, And I remember after that first episode, I got like, I was in these punky articles and there were all these tweets being like, Alicia is such a funny commentator. And I went to bed that night buzzed. I was like, here we go. (laughs) I am, people think I'm funny. I've, I've, I've accurately captured the mood of the nation. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> and 
slowly but surely it went downhill for that season. Um, so yeah, I think I wanted affirmation of my personality. And I think that like, I think I definitely through my experience, you know, as we said earlier, I think I was afforded enough time for people to get a well-rounded picture of who I am as a person. And I'm like glad that I think an outcome from particularly my second season of Bachelor in Paradise, where I really like went through the ringer with Jules, I got that many messages from women who have also been sort of like messed around in these bread crummy relationships where like a guy like gives them a little bit and then like goes cold on them and they're sort of like questioning themselves and their own reality. Like I left that season being like, am I out of touch with reality. Like, I feel like I really had a connection with this guy. Um, and that is now I am fully off track, but yes, that that's basically it, which I think is a really vulnerable Mm. thing to own up to because, (laughs) but I think it's a reason, like, I don't think, I don't think necessarily a lot of people who do reality TV would share that. It's like sort of a bit of an ego thing, not necessarily like a fame and fortune thing, but it's like a affirmation thing. A lot Um, of the big things. But I think it's, I think it's a majority of people. Yeah, honestly. totally. There's definitely people in there wanting to like boom their business, you know, me with my jewellery label and, um, you know, or people wanting to get Instagram. <laughs> but like, there's definitely all that. A big thing for me was I obviously had pretty severe anxiety and like one of the things was I like couldn't go on dates with guys or I couldn't go to restaurants. It was like oh, a huge fear yes. of mine. And Really? Yeah, really? I was like really unwell and I ended up like kind of like getting through it and got medicated and 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 I used to be obsessed with The Bachelor and I used to watch all these women go on these dates and be on this show and I was like fuck I wish I could do that like I wish I could put myself out there like that and then when I got over my hump of anxiety and felt like you know strong enough I was like I'm gonna apply for this and if I can do this like it was like a huge pat on the back moment for me and that's actually like part yeah. I never told them because I which I which looking back I wish I did because I think it probably would have given me a better edit um to go down that like my mental health struggle route but I was so, I was so you know kind of ashamed of it um but yeah that was like mm. a big reason for me to like know that I you know had gotten through a really hard time of my life and could do something that once I thought was impossible so yeah. I think that's incredible. Yeah, so that was a huge thing for me. So, yeah, I think there's all so many different reasons. Um, I have another funny question. Okay, okay. If you and Glenn were to break up or you weren't together or, you know, whatever, would yeah. you go on The Bachelor again? No. No? No, I'm fully batshit out. What? Like I, I said to you before we, like, started recording that I do feel like I'm in a place – where like I'm, <laughs> we we were talking earlier about like campaign highs and filming highs, and I think I'm probably in a place where I'm like I'm I'm watching shows on TV. Like I'll watch a couple of episodes of Survivor, and I'm like, that would be a really fun experience. So I think I'm getting like warmer to the idea of going back and doing another show, but I don't think I could. I couldn't do another dating show for a very long time. Like if Glenn and I were to ever down the track 
Um, this will obviously never happen because I love him with every fiber of my being. But like the only context I could see it happening would be like um, if I did, if I was like 70, like I saw this like 70 year old widow on first dates the other day, who's like her like partner had died a couple of years ago and she like reinvigorated her sense of life. <laughs> so, me and Glenn were looking at each other and like, would you do this? Like, you, can, you can go on first dates if I ever cock it. Stop. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck, yeah, it's so hectic. Um, oh, I think you know what it is? Like the reason why I don't think I could do it again is this is something to be said about um, dating shows in particular. Mm-hmm. I have never felt the intensity of emotion that I felt on a Bachelor show. Like firstly, you are in this space where you are forced to constantly reflect through each of your interviews about like how you feel about love um what you what you think about relationships and really like high level stuff what you're looking for in a partner and then you're having these interactions with people like I remember I remember on my second season so on Bachelor in Paradise, the one with Jules, I remember walking along this beach in Fiji. It was like I'd gotten up in the morning and I, as some drama had gone down the night before. He probably like told me that he wasn't interested or something like that. And I remember walking up and down the beach listening to this iPod and I had so much emo- – I was so emotionally charged that I could literally – I sorry. felt like I could <laughs> – pause you on the iPod because <laughs> you can't take it an iPhone so you can only <laughs> take in like an iPod or like a book or like an MP3 and player. And it can't <laughs> – it can't have a, I remember on my first, on, on the first season of The Bachelor, I was sitting in the like car to go into when you're, where you're like sequestered and you're in a hotel for a couple of days. And we were all talking about like the fact that we've all got iPods because we can't bring like your iPhone in. And one girl pointed out that like I was all prepped with my iPod Nano, but it was one of those iPod Nanos that had a camera and a like voice recorder Stop. on it. So I just literally got my key and I keyed the camera in the iPod Nano. Stop. <laughs> and they wouldn't even, they didn't even check. And I wish I'd brought, I wish I didn't key it because I could have taken all these like behind the scenes mansion photos. How fun would have that been? <laughs> yeah, Dude, no. classic. Yeah, sorry. So you're walking down the beach. Oh, and I was just like, I, I just like was so emotionally charged. Like I'd never been in my life. Like I could feel, I like, I could feel the blood coursing through my veins because I was just like, I w- like love and anger. It was just, it, I felt really alive. Like I felt insanely alive, which was beautiful because I think so much of the time, like, you know, I'm living it a bit at the moment. Like I wake up, I go to the gym, I go to work and I do it all again tomorrow. And sometimes that can be a little bit mundane. Like I get to come home and I get to have a wine with the most beautiful man in existence. But you know, you're still like you're going to work every day, and it's a bit like, man. So then, you, then I'm on a beach in Fiji, and I'm experiencing all of these different things: rejection, love. Like it's wild. Yeah, it was good. So, and how are you finding Perth? Like, are you missing home? Like, how's it? You know, obviously you've moved over for for love, but what about giving up your old yeah. life? Oh, so I'd say like there's an important thing to contextualize here. Like I lived in Sydney and I'd say that 
by the time, so I I didn't resign from my job on my last season of Bachelor in Paradise. I was on a month of leave without pay, but that role and that job that I was in had grown fairly toxic and it was really not a nice environment to be in. And I remember I came back and I asked one of the staff members who was in the office, there was basically like, a couple of months before I'd gone to paradise, there was an exodus of a lot of staff. And I sort of had this vision that, you know, the senior leadership would rebuild the office and it would be a really nice place to work. And I came back and I asked one of this, this, I asked this staff member, I was like, oh, has anything changed? Like, you know, I really thought it would be like a time, like let's rally the troops and we're all going to work together and this is an uncomfortable time, but, you know, we're all going to get through this together. And she was like, no, nothing, like literally nothing's changed. And before I had left for paradise, like my job was as such, like it had become so toxic that I was basically coming into the office and I could have been doing no work all day and no one like, no one would have cared or paid any attention. And so it was just like, that sounds funny because like to a lot of people that would be the dream to just like not have to be doing any work. But, you know, a good workplace is when someone like is invested in your professional development and you're working as a team towards a common goal. Um, So, yeah, it was just not fun. So I guess I, apart from my beautiful friends, um, Sydney had really like lost me already. I like I had lived in Sydney for 27 years at that stage and I was just over it. Like I was naturally ready for a new chapter. And so it was pretty easy to get me over to Perth. I mean, I originally, so I'd left that job when I came back from paradise. I was there for like two weeks, I think. And then I sent a resignation letter and like the biggest weight off your shoulders when you leave a toxic job. And then and then I went, um, I spent like January, February, March, 2020. And I went and stayed, I went to Bali for a month and then I went to Cambodia for two weeks and I was doing very, doing like an eat, pray, love, um, except I'd already found my love cause I was doing long distance with Glenn. And then it got to COVID times when I was coming, I was naturally coming home from Cambodia, which was really lucky when basically everything started to shut down. And I think I scooted in just before hotel quarantine started. So I still had to isolate at home. And then Glenn and I were talking and I started getting word that like Perth was going to shut its border. And I was talking to Glenn and like, we'd only been dating for four months at this stage. And we just made a call that I would pack up two suitcases and head to Perth. And I've been here literally ever since. Dude, how wild. (laughs) And I love it. It's so great. Like we're fully, sometimes I feel a bit like, like a bit shocked myself how quickly like proper, I shouldn't say proper adulthood, but like like hectic adult stuff has crept up. Like, you know, I'm engaged now and we are talking about having like trying after the wedding and yeah. And so I'm like, like, we want to get a hard hard one, like just like weddings are very expensive. So we'll buy a house when we can afford a house, Mm. but we can't afford a house at the moment. Fair, fair. (laughs) So tell me about your wedding. Okay, so oh, where do I even start? Well, when is um, it? Firstly, April twenty second, twenty twenty three. Keep your eye out for the save the day. Love it. 
<laughs> I'm like amazed at how um, far in advance you have to book things. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, like I had vendors, I emailed some vendors, like the caterers, and they got back to me being like, hey, here's all the information. Just letting you know, we've got two other couples looking for this date, looking at this date at the moment. And it's basically who gets their deposit in first. Really? So I've been like, really, I've I've got lots of stuff locked in. We've got the venue locked in. It's down south of Perth. Um, I will share at some point. I just like... I don't know. I don't know why I'm attached to keeping it a secret so far. I'm so excited to actually go to Perth for the first time. Yeah, and it's quite a while away from Perth, so I would almost call it a destination yeah. wedding. It's a bit you of a trek. It, didn't you say it's like but a five-hour drive or something? Yeah. Now, but, like, it'll be so yeah, nice so. to come over and, like, have some time in Perth. Oh, and like we can do Margaret River. There's all these beautiful wineries. We can go to Rottnest Island. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that most of my friends, and this is also something I've realised like once you're an adult, and again, adulting looks different to everybody, but like I'd say the majority of my friends who are like sort of hitting their coming up towards 30 like are usually in full-time work and everything sort of like slowed down and settled down a little bit um with a couple of like blowouts here and there and as such I find that like people actually quite like to have like if I get a destination wedding invite it's sort of a forced holiday like you make it work and so like let's say we got a wedding invite. It's been rescheduled because of like COVID issues. Um, But we had an upcoming wedding in Port Douglas and like for Glenn and I, we were like, okay, that's great. Like we will block out a couple of days towards the end of the week, take Monday, Tuesday off and then bada bing, bada boom, we've got a holiday. Well, I reckon I'll probably like go to Bali the week before and then go Bali to Perth because it's a two-hour flight come see you guys. I mean, we'll work out a full plan. I really want to go to Rottnest. I want to see Perth because I've never been yes. and then head down for the wedding. So I feel like it'll be, so you know, a fun little trip at the same time. Like I want to make it like a holiday. Yes. I know. Yeah. So I'm hoping that most people do that. And yeah, I've got um like flowers booked. I went a bit spinner on flowers. Flowers are expensive. And like my spinner is not your spinner. Like, what do you mean? It's just more, it's just more than I like. I think that people who do like, I think when you see florals at wedding weddings and it looks really beautiful, I think people like don't probably underestimate how much that's 100%. Um, like if you see, like, and I think there's, like, you know, there is a lot of pressure, I think, whether you, like, consciously are keyed into it or not, of, like, these Instagram people who have these, like, massive, lavish weddings with, like, just flowers everywhere. Like and I'm 30 looking grand at on these wedding. flowers. Yes, it's just. I mean, sorry, not on wait. weddings, on flowers. On yes. flowers. I was going to say, like, a fucking $30, 30K wedding is, like, getting off pretty easy because catering, like, just catering in and of itself is, like, um, let's say we're having 150 guests. Um, catering is, uh, like, min $120 per person. Yeah. Wild. And that's not including drinks. So, like, you're already nearly at $20,000. <laughs> so, home deposit gone. And that's something I'd have to, I've had to work through because I'm like, okay, is this, like, 
do we want to elope? Is that like, is that a better option for us? Um, but I think I've worked through it in my mind and I, I really haven't treated myself very much through my life with like a party. I haven't really, there hasn't been too many occasions where like I've gotten all of my friends from all these different walks of life and I've come to meet them in different ways. I've never done that indulgent thing of like bringing everyone together to celebrate me (laughs) and make it look really pretty. So I, I, I am like, we do really want, the amazing party, celebrate our love. Um, so that's all going well. And the the probably the one the like biggest item on my list at the moment to finalize is the dress. Um, because I have I've like seen one that I think is almost the one, but it didn't give me like crying, cryingness. Mm. And I think that's a bit overblown as well to be like so emotional in the dress and be like, this is the one. I don't know. What, I'm nervous. Yeah. Like I'm nervous. I'll never have that feeling with a dress. Just get a, get a piece of fabric and tie it around you. Yeah. <laughs> Pop a peg on it. so funny. <laughs> oh, you look beautiful no matter what. I'm so excited. Like so. A little batchy, I am batchy so wedding, excited. Baby. Yes, I know. Fucking hell. How good. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, it's so funny. Um, my boyfriend, which I like, let the let every listener know last week that I have. When did you? I haven't like properly like because I was gonna drop it, and then I was like, I better not say anything in case. No, no, no. Everyone knows I have a boyfriend, but I'm gonna do an episode with him so everyone can like meet him and ask questions. Excellent. What happened with that other podcast boyfriend? You know that other guy, dating guy. Yeah, was he okay or a bit weird? He was an, an unusual person. He actually just texted me last Wednesday oh, saying, Did you say, I'm sorry, I have a boyfriend? I haven't replied yet and I feel bad, but like, I just don't know what to say. He was like, How are you living? How's the pod? I was like, That's a weird question. How am I living? I'm living quite well, thank you. I don't know. I'll, I'll reply. He was, he was, he was really lovely. He was a really nice guy, yeah. but not my guy, not for me. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't yeah. have social media, and I think that's I think that's a beautiful thing in and of itself that we can recognize that like people can be really lovely, beautiful people, but just not necessarily our person. No. And um, yeah, <laughs> I love I say all these like beautiful sentiments, and you're like, yeah, fuck no, he was no. not my guy. Like, <laughs> not for me. Like, even like when we were like at dinner, he was like, yeah, I love deep eye contact when I'm having sex. Like I oh. want to have sex with someone oh. and I want to stare them I like that. in the eyes. Maybe if you're like fucking making love with someone, but I don't want to root a guy for the first time and him stare deeply in my eyes. Or maybe for yeah, like a okay, second true. you have like a glance, but I don't want a guy like on top of me being like, mm, and like staring me down <laughs> in the eyes, like looking into my soul. Like I was like weird vibe. Um Anyway, so, yeah, but no, so I'll do an episode with my boyfriend, but he did ask me, we were, like, on a really nice beach walk um, last week when we were having, like, big DNMs, and he was like, so what kind of wedding would you um, would you like? Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, like, this is a test. <laughs> did like, that, like, send you shivers through your body? Well, because the place, I have to tell you this story, Kat, the place that we are getting married, they, like, there's Airbnbs on the property, and the 
the like the reason why we're getting married there is we went and stayed at their Airbnb and they offered us a tour of their wedding facilities and I didn't even know that there was like wedding there there were wedding stuff around there and I was like oh like yeah sure but like just like managing expectations like we're not we're not close to that yet and we went and we toured the wedding venue and it was really beautiful and then we got back in the car and Glenn looked at me and was like I would love to get married there and I was like oh my god you're talking with me me and you getting married we even engage at this point Oh, no, right. Oh, my God. Yeah, not even. Yeah, well, not he even. Like, he was like, yeah, what kind of wedding would you like? And and he's a bit older than me and he's been married before. So, really? Yeah, so, oh, my God. I can't wait for this episode. Yeah, so you haven't like – there's so much to like, you know, dive into there. But so he's been married before. So I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Like, you know, he's had that big wedding and I'm like, does would he want something low-key? Like, would he – Don't amend what no, you want just because – I know, but like – it's it's still a nerve-wracking Yeah, question. I know what you mean. I know, I know what you mean. Um, and I kind of was just like, I, see, I've kind of, I feel like I was like, I said to him, I go, look, like I think it's every girl's dream to have a, have some form of wedding. I was like, I want to wear a dress. I want bridesmaids and I want, I want to do that. But I did say as I've gotten older, the thought of spending 50K on something versus spending that it's on really travel hard, yeah, or, or yeah. a mortgage, it doesn't seem... Like I was, I think what I'd do is I'd probably want to do more of like an elopement vibe with like close friends and family and then have a huge fuck off party, but like a big party, make it sick. But like, you know, even a fucking BYO, no, I'd probably put the drinks on, but like, or or I'd probably do like an engagement surprise wedding because I'm like. I love that. Yeah, I like that. Vibe. I love that attention. Oh. Um, no, just kidding. But like, you know, so I think, and he really liked that idea, and um, he was like, "Yeah, I feel you." Like, I think he's so awesome. He, I mean, lot was like so fresh. So like, we're not getting fucking. I'm like, I'll wait it for the ring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think like we're very similar people, and we align like a lot on uh, our beliefs, and I think we'd we'd be fine in deciding, but like. Yeah, it is hard to drop 150K, 100K on one day. Oh, not 100K, no way. Yeah, like it's just, it's, it's, it's. <laughs> but I can see how, like, I can, I can see how people can. So I, I, like, we've got a budget. It's not 100K. It's probably more around 50. Which is so but it's much still, money. it's like $50,000 is just so much money. I don't even. And actually, like, I don't really want to be there. Like, it's probably more around 40K. But, like, and and I'm just, like, oh, it's just crazy. Like, I've been working really, really hard. So, I'm, like, I can make that happen. And, you know, we are very blessed that, like, together on both r- relatively good incomes, um, your, your saving power, I guess, like, uh, it just it does happen faster than like when I've been trying to put away my five hundred dollars a fortnight or whatever. Um, so it does accumulate faster, but it's just like, and and some people like who I, I don't know. I'm just like not eighty k on a wedding. No, don't a I don't know. But maybe, but if that's where your priorities are, then maybe go for yeah. it. It's wild, <laughs> but yeah. So. I mean, 
it's a lot of money. So, I mean, I guess I'll cross that bridge when I even get to it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look forward to attending your 60K wedding. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fucking oath. But, like, but I think the thing is as well is like there are times when I go to weddings and like there's speeches and people aren't listening and like some people don't appreciate oh. it. And I'm like, I'm not fucking spending all this money on someone. Like, yes. you know, it's like, sure, yeah, you might get some beautiful gifts and stuff, but like I'll fucking buy my own like crock pot and like it's definitely given me new perspective of like um when I go to a wedding like I'm definitely mindful of you know making a contribute a good contribution to their wishing well because (laughs) I gotta pay for your bloody 30 grand flowers yeah well it's, it's it's probably like I feel like there's a standard of like 100 to 150 for like a wishing well like it for a for an individual yeah. I think shameless podcast covered this and I was it was really intriguing because people just have very very polarized opinions on what it really? is like some people are like and some people really don't like the idea of a wishing well whereas I would much prefer a couple to be able to like get exactly what they want oh sorry the cops coming to get oh. me can yeah I can hear that well <laughs> um I would much prefer a couple to be able to get exactly what they want rather than like. Hello? Sorry, this police is wild. They heard me talking about the. About what? <laughs> about the bachelor. About the wedding cost. They're, they're coming to get me. They're coming. Yeah. They're coming to, uh, to get me because I'm, um, I don't even know. Bad. Because I'm. Bitch. <laughs> who knows but yeah it's it's wild it's really wild so but I'm I'm also like I'm very excited to be heading like I feel like I'm 20 I'm turning 30 this year and I'm like yeah I know where did this happen like, when did this and I just think too. that like and I know like we're, we're really going we're like at the hour Mark, but the one other thing that's been playing on my mind that I just want to talk to you about quickly um, is probably a more like deeper thought, but I feel like through the ages, I was thinking about this last night, I was thinking that through the ages of 25 to 30, well, 25 to 29, let's say, I really struggled. Like I found them very challenging years of like looking at what everyone else is doing, feeling hyper competitive, comparing myself, where I'm at, you know, whether I've got a partner or not, whether I've got a well-paying job or not. And I finally feel literally just about now, like in the last two months, I feel like I'm coming out of it a little bit. And I'm really hoping that I'm about to enter that stage that everyone talks about, like being like the 30s are the best years of your life in terms of like security of self and, you know, just not caring what people think as much. I feel like you go through a lot of self-development in your mid to late 20s, which like, you know, Mm. I'm 28, I'm still going through that. And it's, I've been, I can tell you that comparing yourself to others I've been doing it like I I, I had a oh. like breakdown the other month because all my friends are fucking getting engaged and have you know having babies and they're all in these loving yes. relationships and I was like I just feel like I'm a good person and I never meet a good guy that was yeah. literally how I was feeling yeah. I was like when yeah. am I gonna meet like I was like you know I'm happy being single and I love myself and my routine and all of that but I can't help but feel like I'm falling behind 
And it was it was it was a yeah. really big mental struggle for me. And now out of fucking nowhere, I've met literally the most incredible man ever. I have never I showed Yeah. <laughs> I showed Glenn his profile and Glenn was like Oh, he's the like producer of Golding. Golding, no, Golding music? is Am his I giving his band. Um, his band, and he also produces all of like Boo Seeker and Lastlings, and works with some like oh. huge artists. Like he's a he's, he's a cool dude, and he has a really interesting. Because Glenn like Glenn like knew the band, and I was like, I don't know who that yeah. is, and he was like, You don't like Triple J? Yeah, lol. <laughs> yeah, that's he, and it, 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 I'll, I'll get with. I've it. literally never met a guy who has treated me so fucking well is like the nicest person ever like I do not have a bad word to say about him speak of the devil he just texted me um and I like how you're like I don't have a bad word to say about him speak of the devil no, no, like, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know it's an idiom, but, but yeah like um yeah he's just he honestly treats me so I've like never been so happy and he's and he's my biggest fan he, oh, he is so supportive of my job and so oh. supportive of me speaking about wild topics on a fucking podcast about sex like he's not he's just awesome and he's not only that. that but he's also fucking fun and he's cool and he you know he's just interesting and he's really intelligent and yeah he's just fucking awesome so listeners I'm very excited for you guys to get to meet him because yeah he's incredible I'm so I'm so excited to listen to that episode and to round off that conversation I'd say that like you like really hit me in my feels just then when you were talking about that like period of loneliness um and sort of feeling like you're falling behind and I had a deep deep period of loneliness it was just before I went on Bachelor in Paradise and I met Glenn I was like beside myself I was to the point where like it really starts to infiltrate all the other places parts of your life and like uh, it got to the stage where like I was waking up and I like didn't really want to I was like what's the purpose of like I'm getting up and I'm going to work again for what um and you do get past yeah. it it feels insurmountable at the time but there is I think like you also got to remember is like everyone has their person out there and also like you shouldn't let yourself be defined by who you're with. Like you've got to remember all the incredible yes. things that you as an individual have to offer. And I think like that was what really kind of came, like, you know, I had these moments where I was like, well, I haven't met anyone, but all my friends have. And, you know, I had one of my girlfriends go, but babe, like you've got an awesome job. You've got a podcast, you've got a brand, like you're doing all these really incredible things when like, you know, maybe another one of your girlfriend got married at 22, has a baby and has a house and, to be honest, like, great, so happy for them, but that was not never going to be my path and that to me sounds so fucking yeah. mundane. So, yeah, <laughs> anyway. But also it goes it goes to the principle of, like, that person may be looking at you wanting what Absolutely. you have in the same way as you're looking at them wanting what they have. The grass have. is always greener on the other side. Um, all right, well, to wrap up this little episode, Alicia, I'm going to throw you on the fucking deep end here and can you give my <laughs> listeners a little sex tip for the week? Oh, my God, a sex something tip. Something they can try at home, oh, something you've done. Okay, I would say this comes from <laughs> – sorry, Glenn, this is from our own experience and 
it would be like a call to action to your listeners this week. Um, whether you have a partner or um, whether you're like seeing somebody, um, it probably works better than like, you know, not in like a one night stand context because it's good. Like it, it works best if you're, you have somewhat of a, you're in the same place some of the time. Um, but we have housemates at the moment, um, Marty and Neil. So that Neil's Glenn's twin brother and Marty's his boyfriend. And we all live together in the same house at the moment um, and have done for two years. And they are moving out in a couple of months. And it is very hard to be spontaneous <laughs> uh, when you have housemates. And I think some of the best sex that we've had has been like, you know, the antithesis of when you're going to bed at night and it's like, oh, okay, we're in the bed, it's nighttime, this is the place where you have mm. sex. Just have sex at a different time in a different location in your house and I I guarantee you it will be more spicy and more enticing than the obligatory we're in bed, it's 9.30. Yeah, yeah, so switching up your routine. It's definitely a big one because yeah, you can get yeah. into a bit of a cycle with someone where you do the same, same, um, you know, same position, same time. Okay, so everyone, so this week you are going to – you know, yeah, maybe more for the for the have relationship girls, but before you have dinner. morning sex or like when your partner's showering yeah. before work, go in there and you know give them a blowjob. Like, you know, do do everyone do something spontaneous this week? I'm gonna do it too. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited to hear. Can you do the report back when you do the episode together? Yeah. I want to know. Maybe I'll like <laughs> give him head on the couch or something. That's not that spicy. Well, I look forward like, to hearing about it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, Alicia, thank you so much for coming on. It was so nice to just chat and catch up with you. And I love you so, so much. I know. I love you so much. Thanks for having our cats out of the bag. So fun. Very overdue. We've been talking about this for a while. I know. Um, well, thanks so much for listening, guys. And I will see you all next week. Cats Out of the Bag is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. Special shout out to Rode Microphones for powering this episode. 